Lodge, we're back. Yep. We're back. Hey, the openings are getting that much more juicier, more mm. lively. I think it's because we just have such a good episode. I know. Um, I, no There's an spoilers. interview coming a little later. Oh, uh, damn, uh, yeah, well, I mean, that's why the only reason we're going to sound warmed up is because we already did like a 30, 40 minutes. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> we'll get to that a little later. Uh, with good old Alex, who is the interview with? Uh, my friend Chase. You'll hear more about him. I'm not spoiling it. Nice guy. Yeah. Uh, um, really nice guy, actually. He was talking about some Habs during the interview that made me smile. But anyway, uh, look forward to that at the end of the Power Hour. And then, of course, ladies and gentlemen, after the Power Hour, after the interview, we're going to talk about the 1415-1516 Toronto Maple mm, Leaf. Thanks to our good friend. Thanks Kala. to Talha. By the way, shout out to the person on Google Doc who is an anonymous leper. Probably Daniel. Uh, I saw Alex's name there and then it disappeared. So Yeah, I just closed the document. Mm-hmm. By the way, um, I like how Daniel's background is now some sort of other – those pops? Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm so, so, sort of in a reorganization of things right now. Yeah. Yeah, is that what my, you guys have been Buffalo doing? My Buffalo Sabres thing and my oh, Steve Nash wow. uh, poster over there, but, Not you know, Buffalo. fixing it up. Is that what you guys have been doing lately, reorganizing things? Because that is what I've been doing. Yeah, anything than my feature. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I cleaned under my bed, and that wasn't – that was very bad. <laughs> there were some wrappers there. Like, nothing gross. It was just, yeah. like, dusty and terrible. It was like, ah, oh, this is pretty bad. Memories uh, of a forgotten past. Hmm? Memories of a forgotten past. Just like the 14, 15, 15, 16 Leafs. Hey. Ah, hey. Hey. <laughs> oh, anyway, um, there's some stuff to talk about in the hockey world. And non-hockey world. And well, freaking, there's some... I'm doing it, Alex. We're going to transition. You got to let me get back in the flow of things here. Iceberg coming through the show. Let's go. Anyway, though, lads, um, <laughs> if people want to see how just pumped we're getting talking about the Titanic and stuff, uh, they should totally check out the show on YouTube. It's a whole nother experience. We're actually on Zoom now instead of Skype because Skype sucks. That's not true. Stop saying these things. I mean, if they sponsor us, then they, they're awesome. But that's now we're only going to use Skype, yeah. But for now, yeah. we have our options. <laughs> Adam's banning people from the show, uh, <laughs> and, and he's trashing companies. Exactly. Well, I did unban someone at one point, but no. uh, but anyway, that's not important. But yeah, as I was about to say before, Alex just you know came in the way of my Titanic on the way to Halifax or whatever. Um, yes, there is stuff going in the hockey news. Before we get to that, let's talk about though the tomfoolery, the Yahoos. Cowards. What did you call them? Cowards. Cowards. I was just going with the Doug Ford Yahoos. No. Mind-boggling. <laughs> no, di- Mind-boggling. Adam, can you say cowards? cowards. I, no, you say always say it in a way. What? Cowards. Maybe it's not cowards. I don't know. There's a word he says. Bastards. I don't know. Whatever. What? <laughs> he says it. It <laughs> makes it sound cheeky, ten times better. Cheeky bastards. There we go. See? I knew it. It was coming. <laughs> Snappy snap power. Um, people in Toronto, and really across the world, are uh, protesting against these social distancing things, including uh, the, 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 as the premier called them, uh, the, the, what were they, hooligans or the Tom Yahoo's. Yahoo's at Queens Park. The best tweet I saw was, keep your laws off my body. 
And then somebody said, okay, you can say that, but when a woman wants to choose, then it's not right. I was like, mm. hilarious. Oh, fantastic. It's just the hypocrisy of some of these people and just how stupid they are. Just do it more. <laughs> like the premier said, and I only agree with Doug Ford a lot, to be honest with you, because I'm a student and he hates students. But I, I, it, these idiots are just sending us back weeks now, and it's so frustrating. You, you, I want to go outside. You should have heard what I, I went because uh, I go for a walk every day for like an hour with my mom. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I go for a walk with my mom. Um, and you should have heard the things I was saying yesterday about these people. I can't repeat them on the podcast. I can absolutely cannot. Um, I think you could, but you just have to censor it, which is more work. Yeah, I, that's no. Well, I do um, that enough it's really you. bad. No, it was bad. Um, you know, just stay inside, man. Mm-hmm. Just we stay inside. your room like Daniel's. I already did. Mm-hmm. Oh. I already did. That that already happened. You're gonna Just, hang up stuff in your, your setup, by the way, Alex. Is that you, Matthew's jersey still on the floor? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I have to well I was gonna hang you, it down too, so I have a bit of a background. Mm-hmm. What jerseys? Do 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 Who? Who talking? I was talking to Daniel. Yeah, you oh, know, me? I was for uh, Daniel's <laughs> Oh, I have my uh Jiguer Mighty Ducks jersey. Of course you do. You Martin mean Leafs legends, John Leafs Sebastian legends, Shaker. yes. Um, Martin Road Durham, the Devils, and on Best Team Canada. Ever. Yeah. I swear, every time you bring up a Leafs legend in Martin Brodeur, I think I age a few months. Because <laughs> I just felt a heavy <sighs> on my shoulders. Um, I guess we'll, we'll go with the hockey. What else can we really say about Well, so I have Mark J. Fleury, Pittsburgh. Guess not. <laughs> If we're just going to keep going like this, the new episode of Star Wars Clone Wars was uh, fucking good. I'm not going to tell you. Let's well, spoil it. I have to watch the whole series. Yeah, you do. You do. That's next episode of Bizarre Adventures. Watch all seven series. Anyway, apparently was signed with the Columbus Blue Jackets. But or was he? Or was he? Find <laughs> out next time on Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> Anyway, no, he, he didn't. He didn't. So, anyway, the contract got rejected from the league. Basically, it just goes against the signing principle because technically he's – and you may be asking yourself, yeah, but, Adam, the Leafs signed Barabonov. The Habs signed Vasily Jardenko, I believe his name was. Uh, that's because – I asked Alex this. Uh, those guys are technically signing as entry-level deals. Mikhail Grigorenko, uh, as you may know, is a former saver. And has been around the league. So uh, the, the Blue Jackets are basically now going to sign him uh, on July 1st. But Or whenever free agency is. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Is it just – this is so goofy. And this is what we have to cling to to news, by the way. Well, I think we would have talked about it either way. I think this is an interesting signing for Columbus. Uh, they're one of those teams that we didn't really know what they were at the beginning of uh, the year simply because, you know, you lose Panarin, you lose Bobrovsky. Um, and you know what is this team they brought in Gustav Nyquist and that was kind of their big addition obviously other than re-signing Wierenski Um, but you know you look at Grigorenko I know yes he played for Moscow which is one of those big teams in Russia that pretty much wins every other year uh, with St. Petersburg but, you know, 47 games, 41 points this year before the season stopped. 55 games, uh, if it was 52 points the year before. Those are his last two years. You, you know, it, it just didn't seem like it worked out in the NHL. And I um, was listening to 
Brian Burke talk on Hockey Central at noon. And, and his thing with Grigorenko at the time of when he was being drafted is his, it seemed like it was his motivation. And, you know, he's 25 and that's really sure. That's something that you can change. Um, so, you know, hopefully that is something is ch- that can change. You know, he's a fir- former uh, f- first round pick, uh, picked by Buffalo in 2012. He was part of the original Ryan O'Reilly deal that sent Ryan O'Reilly to um, the Buffalo Sabres. So that's Mikhail Grigorenko. You want yeah. to Sorry, Daniel, do you want to hear a joke? Okay. Once a saber, always an afterthought. That's what I like to say. Yeah, uh, well, because I messaged you when, when, the, when the deal first was announced, and you forgot that he was an avalanche. Yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Daniel, what were you going to say there, bud? Oh, no, don't worry. Uh, it was something about, like, same thing, like, what Alex was saying with, like, Brian Burke on Gregorenko, that whole thing where, like, you know, he was on Central Scouting. He was, what, top five, top three? Um, like he really kind of like tore it up with the Quebec ramparts. And then this is a guy that that whole thing, motivation, attitude, that's what drops him out of like the top five, top 10. He went 12th in that draft. Yeah, he, he was part of that weird draft, the 2012 draft. I think that was yeah, the Yakupov draft, Ryan Murray, Griffin Reinhardt, Alex Galchenyuk, uh, Morgan Riley. <laughs> You know, it, it's that weird draft where things just didn't go, I think, for a lot of players. Yeah, I remember I thought Derek Pouliot coming out of that was going to be amazing. Good old Derek Pouliot. Wasn't Pouliot going to be a centerpiece of the castle? Yes. Deal, but, yes. But, but Pittsburgh were like, nah. They didn't want to get rid of him. Kapanen, take I'll it. take it. Loser. Finland. We'll, we'll get to that deal. What, Phil Castle? Yeah, later on. That sounds like a retro review type. It sounds like a retro review. Oh, oh no. Yeah, it's what today. Yeah, because that happened. Maybe? I don't know. It's a surprise. It's like a box of chocolates. You never know you never what you're going to yeah. get. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Grigorink, I mean, good for Columbus. You get another warm body. You know, you just get players to go. And it's a one year deal, right? And, and yeah, it's 1.2 million. It's not league minimum or like 925, like uh, Barabanov, like Mikhaev, um, where the other, where are some other Russian players that have come back? The name's not coming to me here. Trankin? No, he hasn't come back yet. Uh, Radulov came back? Right, so, you know, he's not signing um, a, a low – like, it's it's still low risk, right? Mm-hmm. What's the worst case after a year he walks? Yeah. Or, yeah. you know, you send him to the AHL, but he's like, screw that, I'm going to go back to Russia. So the what, upside's still there. But the upside's still there. I think it's it, – it can either turn out to be – like Anelia Mikhaev situation where he's like, man, like you can kind of play this guy or it can turn out to be like a, a, a Vadim Shibachayev where he's like, ah, no, I'm going back. That was uh, that was messy. I forgot about uh, Shibachayev. Stay on the Columbus route though. Uh, they re-signed or say extended Jonas Corpusalo last week. Now they have also extended Elvis Merz Lincolns, their star little goaltendee, uh, two years, $4 million AAV, of course. Elvis Merz Lincolns was, at the start of the year, 
uh, pretty bad. Then all of a sudden, he turned it on. His record, uh, have Cap Friendly up this year. Oh, never mind. doesn't want to show it. But I will say this. In 33 games played, a 2.35 goals against average and a 9.23 save percentage. And in this economy, that is a great save percentage. Yeah. It, this, this one um, was an interesting one uh, for me simply because what is Elvis Merz Lincolns? He's still a young guy. You know, goalies tend to, tend to take a little bit of more time to develop. You know, he played, I believe he was in Russia. Uh, before this year, he was somewhere in Europe. Um, so it, it kind of what what you didn't really know what he was at the time. He started off poorly, and then you know he really kicked it up a notch. Got sent down to the AHL, and when he came back, it was like completely different guy. There's it, it's kind of a back and forth for me because you know four million is a lot of money. Um, I. I I think my first impression of the deal was, and I know they're different situations, was I look at his numbers and I look at someone like Jordan Bennington, who really was developing not in Europe, but in North America and came in uh, last year. So completely surprised everyone. The difference here is that, you know, he was one of the big pieces that really pushed uh, St. Louis to that uh, from being bottom of the league to that Stanley Cup win, so is it a matter of you know you know the numbers are similar but the situations are different? This deal, you know, it, it really depends on what he comes out like next year. I think someone like Bennington, who signed that two-year extension at uh, 4.4 million, really did prove himself this year and say, yeah, you know, this guy can be an elite goal. This guy can be your starting goalie or part of that uh, platoon system. Whereas we haven't really seen it yet with Merz Lincolns, and it, you know, we don't know what the future holds simply because we don't know what this next season or the rest of this season will look like. Mm-hmm. Daniel. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. Um, kind of low-risk bridge deals. I think, you know, you're not going to go long-term with it because Columbus is kind of figuring out what they – who are they, what they have. Um, you know, they've kind of performed above expectations after losing, like, Duchesne, Panarin, Rofsky – Zingles to a certain extent. Um, yeah. So I think that's, that's something that they're going to kind of bring to the table now. See like a bit of like a tandem, see maybe who could kind of like run with it in a potential like playoff berth. Um, one thing I kind of think about that we always talk about is comparing the numbers for these two goalies who have outperformed Sergey Burboski this year. Like yeah. the money and like the safe percentage is just, it's been crazy for me. So, but I'm, you know, I'm happy for Columbus that they've been able to kind of like find these guys later in the drafts and kind of, you know, run with them. You know, what's an interesting thought for me is this duo makes uh two, uh, sorry, $6.8 million combined for the next two years. And, you know, yes, they're kind of still young. Uh, they, 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 we don't really 100% know what at least Elvis Merz Lincoln's is until we at least see him for another year. Jonas Corbisalo has turned out to be, um, at least this year, turned out to be, can be part of that platoon system. Could they become one of the best duos? You know, right now we look at uh, Boston with Rask and um, 
Halak. Is it Halak? Still Halak? Yeah. Raskin Halak. Halak's up at the end of the year. What happens there? Uh, Hudobin and Ben Bishop. Hudobin is up at the end of the year. What happens there? Um, you know, you look at St. Louis. Are, are they going to continue with both Jake Allen and Jordan Bennington considering this the Petrangelo situation? Uh, we'll see what happens there. But, you know, they can turn out to be one of the best duos um, in the NHL. You just It depends on Merzlikens. We kind of know what we have in Corpusalo, though. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, moving on, we'll go to some coaching news. Of course, over the season, we had a uh, plethora of good coaches being fired for different sorts of reasons. But one of them, and probably the most unjust one, was Gerard Gallant being fired from the Vegas Golden Knights. Not the first controversial firing of his career, but apparently the New Jersey Devils, who were surprisingly good once Elaine Nezardine came in, by the way. And look, Blackwood's an example of that. The Devils have interviewed Gerard Gallant. Thoughts on a possible, you know, pretty good hire the Devils can get him. I mean, other teams are going to be talking to him, but Daniel, start us off here. What do you think of this little move for or this interest that the Devils are showing Trust guy. He's been around. He knows what to do. Um, the only thing I kind of feel with this is like it just it's an it's another step for New Jersey to kind of do something. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of work that has to be done there. Um, I think if they go in not with kind of the expectations that Casa Vegas had with Gallant, but go like, you know, this is a guy that he's going to be with us on, you know, it, it, there's going to be some pain here and there figuring out, you know, New Jersey's identity as well. Like they have so many young guys, but they also try to try to make something out of it. But like with Subban, with Wade Simmons, um, with, was it uh, Nikita Gusev? Yes. Yes. Yes, they had all these kind of guys. So I think you're going to have to be patient there. But, you know, if they take that route, then I think it's a great signing. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a really – it would be a really good signing uh, for the Devils. I think he was fired in Vegas quickly. Uh, Obviously, yes, there's the Marc-Andre Fleury. Uh, You know, he wasn't really putting up the same type of numbers. He had that weird – mid-season struggle but I think another reason is you know I think uh what now is it Kelly McCrimmon that's who's the GM right it's not yeah. um the he, name's not coming to me he the guy you're thinking of is like he stepped up he's like president and George McPhee yeah, George is, McPhee okay so it's I think you know I think Kelly McCrimmon really wanted to bring in his guy and I think he always had his eye on Pete DeBoer and I think he wanted to jump on that chance as quickly as possible um, but I think whoever gets Gerard Gallant, I think that's a positive for uh, for any team, really. It, what direction New Jersey is going in, I think they kind of made that clear uh, trading Sammy Vatnin and trading Taylor Hall in that, you know, okay, I think we're okay with kind of going through that rebuilding phase. Uh, you didn't get as much for Taylor Hall as, you know, a lot of us expected kind of seems like you got a steal for Sammy Vatnin considering he played zero games for Carolina and you got a prospect in a couple picks, but you know, what direction are you planning on going in? You know, I could see New Jersey making a, a weird signing, a weird goalie signing in the summer. And I think that would really be the wrong move. Like someone like Braden Holtby, 
um, if he doesn't resign in Washington. I don't think that would be a smart move for the team. I think you want to look for someone who can play that platoon system with Mackenzie Blackwood, because I think Mackenzie Blackwood is your goalie of the future. And you look at his numbers recently after, uh, after John Hines was uh, let go and Alain Nezredin was brought in, his numbers were, uh, you know, he had an above 900 save, like he had 916 save percentage, I believe. And he had a positive, like he was like, I don't remember his, um, his record off the top of my head, but for a team that, you know, had such high expectations and played so poorly. And then to have Mackenzie Blackwood put up such decent numbers really ha- is promising for me. Uh, to, by the way, the end of the season, yeah, Mackenzie Blackwood finished with 915 save percentage. Uh, he was 22-14-8. These are the devils that uh, at one point were clearing away the worst team in the NHL. Uh, I wonder, because, of course, they have that pick, that second pick, uh, the Phoenix pick, I mean. Yeah. Daniel? Yes. Maybe if they wanted another goalie that, you know, you have to wait a few years because you're not going to be that good. Maybe uh, – they're a goalie they could maybe draft in the first round. But, uh, oh, yeah. True. Uh, uh, our boy Yaroslav Askarov for St. Petersburg. Hey. Yes. I don't mind them picking, and I think that's something I brought up uh, when we did our 2019 draft. I don't mind them picking a goalie in the draft, but I think it, it would be a mistake for them to go and make a splash in the goalie market this year. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I because agree. Because it doesn't necessarily fit their plan. Like, what is your plan? You know, you have Hishie, you have Jack Hughes, you have these guys who are coming up. Do you want to suffer for the next few years to have a longer, like, a longer amount of time where you're going to be great? You know, Mackenzie Blackwood, let's say they dropped Yaroslav Askarov, they're going to have another uh, lottery pick. You, you never know what you can get with this, with this team. I, I know what you mean. Like, I don't think they ever really recovered from 2012 like their final appearance like no matter Rishiro if it's Lula Morello they have a kind of a habit of doing this with new coaches where like they'll sign these big guys in free agency or make the big move at the draft like you know getting Corey Schneider you know yeah. even when he was elite they brought him into a system where he could not win like right. that team was bad or when they lost Parise and Kovalchuk they signed Mike Camilleri to five years at six million per year like these are like and he was 32 at the time so like you know these are kind of moves that have been happening you know like you brought in Wayne Simmons PK Subban it's a kind of thing where New Jersey's kind of have to just like slow down see what we have and kind of go through a real rebuild yeah for sure Mm-hmm. You look at them, and uh, also it's it's uh, it's fair to say that making the playoffs in 2018 is probably the worst thing to happen to the Devils, if you really look at it, because it was a five-game series of nothing. And uh, look what happened from there. You just went down a hill and didn't help Jack. probably went back to the NCAA – or sorry, gone to the NCAA or uh, the CHO, but hindsight is 2020, as they say. Uh, you know what I think we should do now? Uh, go to our interview. I think – that well, Alex. What do you mean? We're gonna call him right now. It's it's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Call him right now. What am I... <laughs> Whoops. In a second, um, we'll ring, ring, and all that. Alex will introduce our guest. But uh, in this interview, you're gonna hear about uh, you know 
Arizona State, some of the good players there. Uh, is Joey Decord, I believe, was the player's name. That is his name. Father mm-hmm. with Senators. Uh, yes. Goal-setting prospect, guy to keep your name on. Uh, we're going to talk about NCAA versus CHL stuff. Uh, some stuff about Eddie Lack. All that kind of fun stuff coming up next here on the 2-on-1 podcast. Okay, welcome to the first ever guest we've had on this podcast, uh, Trace, Chase Dryberg. Uh, we've went to school forever, just happened to be at the same school uh, from when we were ch- tiny to when we were 18. His mom, my mom taught him, and then we became friends. I, Three great know. years. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so you go to Arizona State. Um, for the last, I guess, year and a bit because, you know, quarantine and COVID-19. Yeah. Did you come back? When did you come back to Toronto? I came back um, just before my spring break, which was about March 4th. I think I came back to Toronto and then I was supposed to be here for about two weeks for my spring break. And then uh, in the second week of my spring break is when the whole, quarantine shutdown started so uh they canceled in-person classes and um i haven't gone back since so still got all my stuff there and everything but um i'm here now so it's all that matters that's good and you know that night i guess it was the it was a wednesday night uh it was announced rudy gobert first was going to be out with an illness um a few nights before he was going around touching everything um, kind of, I, I want to say, making a, a bit of a joke of the whole situation. Uh, that night, NBA gets canceled. Uh, the next day was the Thursday. Uh, the NHL came out, canceled its season. MLS came out, pretty much suspended its season. What was, I guess, your reaction coming, coming out and seeing all this kind of all happen and unfold all at once? I think when it started with Rudy Gobert is when it became real for people, especially people in the sports world, especially athletes, especially teams. Um, right when they saw that an athlete got it, it, it became practical to people and said, okay, now it's, you know, it's not just happening in China or sporadically people coming back from China. Now it's, um, you know, it's, it's right here. And, you know, one of the biggest things that everyone uh, revolves around in, you know, in the U S and North America in general, which is sports. So, um, you know, right when all those, league started to get canceled it started to feel very real for you know people in the sports world but just life in general that you know when was the last time that you know sports gets canceled or something like this you know sometimes you see it as a lockout but people and um it was just a ripple effect right after gobert got it yeah so uh you're the equipment student manager at arizona state uh with the hockey team right yeah, it's kind of a jack of all trades. It's you do a little bit of everything, but yeah, equipment I help out. I help out operation staff, do videos sometimes for coaches, some stat stuff. So it's kind of student manager, just but you do you know kind of everything wherever you're needed and wherever you want to help. Right. So with the NCAA, they kind of took their time with at least canceling uh, March Madness. Uh, there was the Frozen Four tournament. What was the morale around the team or the reaction from the team after, I guess we can start with uh, when the NBA kind of closed its doors to the NHL, but when all the NCAA tournaments ended up getting canceled? Yeah, so the NCAA took a little bit long canceled hockey and this was to go obviously just because of it's you know it was happening in a week it was about to start so they had to kind of act a lot quicker 
Um, and then all the professional leagues went out. Um, and then about a week and a half, two weeks later, uh, maybe 10 days actually, um, is when the NCAA came out and said the Frozen Four and the rest of the NCAA hockey season's out. Um, and, you know, morale for guys who, you know, for Arizona State at least, their season started back in June because they went to China this summer. Um, so they started in June training, then went to August. In August, they went to China for two weeks and played a KHL team and some other teams out there and actually won the tournament. So, you know, they're working since June. And then, you know, to lose your season when they're about to be in the NCAA tournament again, they were a 99% lock to make the tournament again, um, you know, with probably the best chance they've ever had to try and make a run at it. Um, it stings. You know, it, it, it hurts, especially for seniors who are, you know, moving on to the professional levels or, um, you know, up towards one goal of winning a national championship and um you know to no fault of your own um you know there's bigger things in sport but um you kind of lose it just like that and it's all gone and your your chance to one finish your senior year but two compete with the guys that you've been working with for four years or whatever it's been um you kind of lose your shot to go for it so it was uh, definitely pretty low especially once uh once it all got canceled, but you know, once the professional leagues went out, the NCAA was told, the coach told the guys, you know, you, you guys, you know, you, we're going to keep practicing every day. You guys still have the chance to, you know, go and win this national championship. We just got to take some extra measures and, you know, stay healthy, make sure we're, um, you know, careful. And, you know, they, they ramped up, you know, making sure the guys were taking any vitamins or anything to try and stay healthy and make sure they're fed well to try and make sure nobody got sick. And then 10 days later, coach comes out and says, just like that, it's over. Was there any, I guess, pushback from any of the players who, I guess, let's say, weren't comfortable with going to these practices? Because I guess at the time the NBA shut down, you know, it was starting to ramp up. But we really hadn't hit uh, that peak in, I guess, that was being portrayed to us that, man, like, things are going to get worse. Did you say, would you say there was any type of pushback from players being uncomfortable going to these practices? No, there wasn't any pushback uh, for a few reasons. One, it wasn't horrible in Arizona yet. Um, it's still comparatively to some of the other states in the U.S., Arizona is still doing well. Um, it wasn't too bad there. And with this kind of happening over spring break, there wasn't, you know, a ton of people around campus. You know, the guys were just kind of with the guys. They came, they went and worked out seven o'clock in the morning, went to the rink two hour practice and then kind of went home and chilled either on their own or with each other. So it's not like they were going all out and seeing, you know, different people, but uh, much back in, you know, the reassurance from the university and the athletic department and the coach, you know, telling them that we're going to ramp up measures, we're going to disinfect things extra, we're going to make sure you guys are well fed, make sure you guys are seeing doctors and um, keeping your health up. You know, it, it gave them a sense of security and, you know, for, for them, you know, hearing that, it kind of said, okay, you know, maybe we'll still get that chance to play in the national championship. And, you know, they're feeling good about it. And then, like I said, 10 days later, it's, you know, just like that, the NCAA tells schools, no more practicing, everything's done for the year. And coaches have, uh, you know, no say in it. And, you know, I don't know if they'd want to have a say in it. Obviously, they think there's bigger things and they realize that. So for them, it's just, okay, I guess, you know, it sucks, but we're going to wrap it up. Do you think that there's any possibility that that they not maybe not finish out the season, but necessarily go into that into the into the tournaments um, in empty arenas? Because I think we're extremely far from any type of arenas being 
full. Uh, you know, they're talking about next going into 2021. Um, you know, that's when we, we might start seeing arenas start being packed again. Yeah. And, you know, for, for sure. And, you know, before it was canceled initially, the NCAA came out with a statement to each team saying, you know, we're, we're moving towards having no fans at these. This was before everything got canceled. We're moving towards having no fans at these tournaments and, you know, to try and keep them going. And they said only the most immediate staff can travel with the team. Whoever is an essential staff member will be allowed to come. So it's whatever players are on the roster and the essential staff, you know, any supporting staff that you have, they can't travel just because we're trying to limit the amount of people that we're putting into one building. Um, to moving forward, think something to look at you now. Just because, you know, the more this keeps getting pushed back and the more you keep canceling seasons and, you know, it, it, you know it's, it starts in the U.S., it'll start with football. You know, football is the biggest sport there. Um, hockey starts right after football. Hockey will be the second sport to start. So, you know, these are sports that if you keep pushing things back, you know, you're not only affecting these teams and these athletes who only have five years to play for, you know, there's athletes here that are trying to go and play professionally and this could push them back that much more. And it has a ripple effect then to the pro leagues, you know, pro leagues don't get the development out of players that, you know, NHL teams rely on having some of their players playing college, you know, Cole Caulfield announced a month or so ago, he's going back to Wisconsin for another year. That's likely to be his last year at Wisconsin, but what happens if he can't play, you know, maybe, yeah, he comes in then maybe for them, they just felt that they're a year away from wanting to bring him in. But, you know, you lose a full year of development from a guy who's, you know, in the goal. He can't get that development if he's not playing against the best in college next year. So it has a ripple effect throughout. So I think that will be the next thing they do is to go, you know, start next year with no fans at all. So at least they can continue, you know, the players not losing out and, you know, these pro teams not losing out. Um, so I think that's definitely where it will go um, before getting fans back in there. Cause if they rush fans back in there starting in August, when, you know, college starts, um, I think there'll, there'll be a big, a big impact and uh, we'll be right back in quarantine. Have they officially just canceled the rest of the season? Yeah. NCAA, all sports, uh, every sport has been canceled. Basketball, hockey, uh, baseball, everything that was still a winter sport like hockey or a spring sport like uh, baseball and softball, everything was canceled. And, um, you know, for them, it makes more sense for the pro leagues. It's different, you know, for, for these athletes, you know, there's a bunch of things that are part of their, um, to remain eligible. And one of that is being so like, and, and, you know, go into September, October, because then you're impacting the years, the year after that, you know, the NHL has that leeway to say, okay, you know, if we end in September or we end in October, let's push the, this back a little bit, shorten the seasons, whatever, you know, they have a lot more leeway. They're professional guys. Their job is to play hockey. These are students. Some of them, yes. Some of them will go on to play in, the, you know, NHL, Europe, wherever. But, you know, for the bulk of them, all they are, are student athletes. They're here to get four years, get their education, play hockey is, you know, the asset to it. So, um, yeah, they, they canceled it right away just because they don't have as much leeway as these uh, professional leagues have. And for a lot of these players there's a, a lot more at stake than just hockey right adam yeah um first of all i, I smiled a bit there when you brought up good old cole caulfield I'm a big Habs fan um but you know that's a player that is almost a star in montreal without even playing a game 
And you look at some guys in the CHL, right? Alexis Lafreniere is already doing commercials with Philip So I want to ask you, what's kind of fan interaction like, you know, instead of the CHL compared to the NCAA, where in, in the CHL we already look at these players without playing a game and we look at them as stars. It's, it's a, strange. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's a different um, type of fan interaction. I think there's definitely a lot more of it in the NCAA just because of um, in the U.S., you know, any sport, be it football, basketball, hockey, um, the camaraderie of students, alumni, people who live around that university is so much more than anything you'll ever experience in Canada. You know, yes, you, know, you might have some of these smaller CHL teams out in the East Coast that may rally around their you know q team or whl team just because that's all they have around but you know these universities have alumni bases that follow these kids and um beyond that you know you'll have montreal fans that that if they live near wisconsin or you know live near michigan wisconsin cole caulfield you know same with you know alex turcott and kings fans you know just these teams still follow the player no matter if they're playing in the ohl or if they're playing in the ncaa or you know, if they're playing overseas, um, they're still going to follow that player. And, you know, the, the, where the greatest impact comes is the fans in college in the U S versus Canada. That's where it's so much greater. And, you know, you have people lined up, you know, we went and played Wisconsin this year and um, you know, you can see the student section at Wisconsin's like lined up right outside their locker room, you know, trying to fist bump Keandre Miller and, Cole Caulfield and Alex Turcott as these guys are coming through because, you know, two of them sign and, you know, go to the NHL right after the season, both first round picks. Um, you know, that's, that's something you don't see in the CHL. You don't see the amount of talent, um, you know, and you, you've got multiple first round picks on some of these teams, Boston University, Boston College, Gons, three of those years. So, you know, just the amount of talent that's in college, it's, you know, if you, if you look around the NHL, it's, it's the biggest growing um, league that, you know, prospects are coming through. So I think there's just so much more talent that's in the NCAA that allows this fan interaction. But, um, you know, the biggest thing that'll allow it to, you know, further surpass the CHL is the ability for these players to do commercials. You know, like Alexi Lafreniere, he has that ability to still do, you know, marketing. You know, you, you see him on Bauer stuff all the time. Like you said, he's in that commercial. Um, NCAA players aren't allowed to do that. It's against eligibility. If you do that, you know, you won't be allowed to play. You can't do that until you've officially signed with an agent and leave college. So that'll be the next step. And that's the next thing for the NCAA is allowing these players to make money off things like that and be appeared in things like that. So um, once that happens, it'll just further surpass anything to be used for. Do you think, sorry, do you think that's something that we'll see within um, the next few years? Just because, you know, there's a lot of, um, I guess, not kind of controversy with the whole uh, G League um, starting their own, their own development program. Do you think that's something the NCAA will explore in opening the players to, or allowing the players, sorry, to kind of, push away from that like being able to do the things that like a CHL player would be able to do yeah and you know I don't know if they'll ever be able, I don't know if the NCAA will ever be able to reach something like the G League has the the, the what, what the G League has to offer beyond you know players being allowed to go and get 
sponsorships right away is they have the ability to pay players. Like there's that, that kid who is the top prospect or the, the rate school or in the G League, $500,000 next year. College will never be able to offer that. That's the one thing that the G League will have to offer that college can't is the ability to pay players, especially that lump sum of money. But the next step for the NCAA definitely will be to allow players to, on their own and through an advisor or through their families, be able to find the sponsorships and brand marketing deals to bring in some money, you know, add to their notoriety behind them. And, you know, I think that's the next wave of hockey in general. You're starting to see with Austin Matthews is these players, you know, breaching outside of their comfort zone and, you know, you, never before would you see an NHL player on the front of GQ or doing GQ interviews and you see Austin Matthews doing it. Um, I think that's definitely going to be the next wave and that's what's going to help the NHL, you know, get that entertainment factor and that notoriety that the NFL and the NBA and the MLB have, um, you know, just for so long, it's been this old man's game. And, you know, it's it's part because of who the the manager are and, you know, the, the, like Joe Thornton and even Sidney Crosby, although a little bit younger, he's still that a lot more of that old man mentality. But you see with Matthews coming in and Jack Eichel and Mitch Marner that, you know, this shift to this, this, this younger mindset and the ability to be your own brand. And that's where it's going to go. And with the NCAA, um, that'll be the next step for them is allowing players to do that. And then, you know, for, for, for prospects, no matter what sport you're in, it'll make the NCAA that much more attractive because not only can you go and play, you know, against other people who are going to go professional you're playing at a high level um you're, you're getting the chance to still be your own brand and market yourself and get sponsorship money and you're getting an education out of it well you brought up austin matthews there and it doesn't take long for people to bring up arizona before they bring up austin matthews just because of it's just it's arizona you don't really think of them as a big hockey market um so i want to ask you is arizona or sorry is hockey in arizona Canada? Yes and no. Yes, because it's definitely, um, you know, you don't think of it as a hockey market. And even there, uh, I think there's five hockey rinks, six hockey rinks in Arizona as a whole, which isn't a lot. You know, you, I can probably drive down the street 20 minutes and pass six rinks here. Um, six rinks in all of Arizona, it's not a lot. So, yes, it is as much of an unknown, but it's still the fastest growing sport in Arizona. And that's because of Austin Matthews and because of Arizona state, you know, Arizona state is only this going into next season will be their fifth season at the NCAA division one level. Um, you know, it's, it's showing kids that it's in the Valley of Arizona, you know, it, it can grow, it can be something. And then making the NCAA tournament last year and having guys go to the NHL, you know, that's, it's showing that it can grow in a market like this. Um, the coyotes have, to do a lot more to try and help, but thank God, state have been huge in you know implementing that. And you know he skates at our rink every summer, the bye week. He came, skated all week at uh, at the rink. Um, so he's been huge to growing in in Arizona. And you know he he definitely takes a lot of pride in that and in, in knowing that there's a lot of kids that are growing up now. And instead of you know being from Arizona and you know being your typical football player, because football is huge in Arizona or going and playing baseball, which is also big. Um, they're saying, no, I want to go and, you know, I want to be like Austin Matthews and, uh, and play hockey. Mm -hmm. uh, another really big personality around Arizona is uh, Paul Bizonet, probably one of the biggest personalities in the league uh, for the past few uh, seasons, really. So when you combine him, uh, Biznasty, when you combine Austin Matthews, 
what potential does Arizona have to turn into a real hockey market? The potential's there. The potential's definitely there. And, you know, Bizonette's one of the funniest guys you'll ever meet. Just now what I had to be around him quite a bit because he comes to the games a lot. And, um, you know, I'm, I've been around the Gila River Arena where the Coyotes play a lot. And, um, you know, there there's only a certain amount that a guy like Matthews and, you know, to a lesser extent, Bissonette can do for a market. The, the biggest thing that can be done in this market is what the Coyotes have, you know, you know, to be able, like they are really missing an opportunity. And part of it is because of where they're located in Arizona. Um, you know, where Arizona state is located is in Tempe, which is kind of between Phoenix and Scottsdale, which is the two, you know, bigger markets and higher income markets and nicer markets in Arizona. They're out in Glendale, which is about an hour drive from Tempe Scottsdale. Um, and you know, the reason they don't have the fan base they have and the attendance they have is because nobody wants to travel out there. You know, they need to move and there's been talks over the last five to seven years of them moving. There was about then state bank and then that was thrown out at the last second. Um, they need to move. Once they move, they can definitely increase their, you know, the, their brand awareness to every other people, uh, sorry, every, every other person that's in Arizona. And, you know, that's where that opportunity will come and it can thrive there. You know, you, you've seen in warm climates like Tampa Bay, Florida, even, you know, there's, there's players that are coming out of there. There's, you know, Tampa Bay has been, you know, one of the elite teams the last three, four years. Um, although they haven't been able to get it done in the playoffs, you know, they've still been an elite team. So it's, it's shown that it can definitely thrive in, in, in warm climates. Um, it's, but it's, it's centric around the NHL team. You know, Austin Matthews can, you know, he can go and be the best. He can be Connor McDavid and it's still not going to reach its potential. And, you know, the potential is the Coyotes and, you know, they're still missing that. And, you know, once they move and start to get the right things in place, I think eating thing guys are going there. But still, you know, when, when Austin Matthews came to town this year, um, I went into the game and um, the Coyotes were in a playoff spot at the time and you have the biggest star in, you know, in Arizona there, one of the best players in the league, Austin Matthews on the other side of it. And there was empty seats all over the place. And the, the Leafs fans outnumbered the Coyotes fans, you know, and that, that's a problem. When a guy like him comes to town, that shouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, especially when the team's competing. So, um, you know, the, the opportunity's there, but I think you're still about five, another five to seven years from seeing that opportunity really reach its potential. You mentioned, I know you said the stadium was um, probably one of the biggest things that the team can do. Is there anything else, whether that be, I know uh, last summer there was talks about how they interact with the fans. Um, Is that something they can improve on too, not just this? Like what else other than the stadium, moving stadiums, can they do to improve that potential or reach that potential that you were talking about? Yeah. So of course the stadium is just one thing, you know, you, you, you could move the stadium and if they were a bottom feeding team for 20 straight years, you know, how much are you really going to get? You know, there's very few fan bases around the NHL where a team can, you know, let's say a decade be bad and you'll still get that following, you know, yeah. Leafs fans, Canadians fans, you know, they're, they're, there's probably only five franchises in the NHL where teams will still follow it. So beyond the arena, you know, they need to continue to be, a playoff team year after year. And, you know, 
last year they were, you know, on, on the upswing. They were, you know, moving towards the playoffs. This year they acquire marketable players and they were in a playoff spot for a large portion of the year. So it's, you know, they have to be a team that's going to contend and they have to be a team with marketable players. And they had this, you know, Phil, you know, he, you know, he has a lot around him, but you know, for Coyotes play for Coyotes fans, you know, that's, that's a name that's won two Stanley cups, been in the media, you know, he's a, a former uh, high end top first round pick. So for them, that's, that's big to get. And, you know, now they're starting to get some of that, you know, some of those marketable players. Taylor Hall was there. Who knows what's going to happen to him this summer. Um, but, you know, you have young guys like Barrett Hayton, Clayton Keller coming up, and that's going to be huge for them is getting those young guys that can really help propel this franchise. You know, you know they need to be able to connect with the fans is you have to have those marketable players. You know, and in, like in Toronto, for example, they had those three, four years where, you know, they were kind of in the middle of everything and, you know, they, the whole Shanna plan started. Um, you know, of course, there's still that fan base following just because they're the Toronto Maple Leafs. But when Austin Matthews came to town, it's, you saw 30 from the walking and you could get 90% of those jerseys would be 34. And it's going to be like that until he leaves town. So once you get that marketable player, you can just bring fans into one place. And, you know, that's what they're missing right now. And I think Taylor Hall was helping get there, but, um, you know, it's hard to bring a guy in who's, you know, 20, you know, he's in the mid, middle of his career, you know, what they need and they've missed out on that through, you know, bad luck in the lottery um, is getting that, you know, that franchise center stone through the draft that, you know, first or second overall pick that people are going to be like, wow, this guy's going to be here the next 20 years. And um, they've yet to have that. And the high end picks they have had who they've thought would be great. Haven't been as, you know, panned out as much. And even Clayton Keller, he's been uh, inconsistent at times. So uh, what they're really missing is that marketable player and that consistency to contend. You can definitely tell that you obviously a lot closer to Arizona hockey than a lot of us. Uh, so I want to ask, now some answers of the how does it make you feel when you see the guy on Twitter saying, why do we still have a team in Arizona? And then it comes to the Nordiques, a second team in Toronto. How does that make you feel? Yeah, before I went to Arizona, I had, you know, I'd always, you know, I'd thought of myself as that guy who would tweet something like that out and, I tend to agree with it. You know, why not bring the Nordiques back or move them somewhere else? You know, before Seattle got the expansion, why not move them to Seattle, do something? I wouldn't, you know, being in Arizona, I wouldn't necessarily say that I'm off that boat because, you know, for so long you've heard, you know, the Coyotes are in money trouble here. The Coyotes are this. They can't renew their arena. You know, they've been bad for so many years. They get one year where they make the playoffs and the next year they don't. Um, you know, they've had so many years of bringing in new people, new ownership, new GMs, new players. And, you know, they're always saying, oh, you know, we're on the upswing. We're on the upswing. And, you know, so much. and I think the next five years are going to tell all. The next three to five years is going to tell all. If they can't get it done in the next three to five years and show that they can be an NHL franchise that's going to, you know, generate revenue and not be, you know, in, in the negative every year. If they're going to generate revenue, bring in fans and be a team that, you know, people want to associate themselves with, that'll be told in the next three to five years. And if it's not, then it's time to move on. And if you want to move them back to Quebec and be the Nordiques, then I'd agree. Um, so yeah, being in Arizona, I wouldn't necessarily say that, you know, I'm going to contend that fact, but what I will say is it can definitely be 
a franchise in Arizona and it can definitely be a market where hockey grows, but it's got to start with the coyotes and they've got to do that in the next three to five years. And I think right now they have all the plate, the pieces in place, you know, the front office is better than it's ever been. They have that new owner who's uh, he's got his sights set on the moon. Um, you know, obviously, like I said, the front office is great. John Chaika, he, he's the SEMD in the end. Um, so if it's not done the next three to five years, I don't know when it'll ever happen. And then I think uh, it's time for, for them to um, discuss moving it. Mm-hmm. You've talked about uh, consistency there. The Coyotes have always been my sweetheart pick of they're finally going to do it this year. Uh, Daniel. Hey, Chase. Uh, so um, I just have a few uh, questions when it comes to, like, I guess, bridging that idea of NHL players and Arizona State. I know that they've had a lot of guys coming up um, recently. Um, I'm probably going to butcher his name. But uh, Demetrios Kuzmontsis. Yeah, Kumanzis. Kumanzis, yes. I know he was a fourth-round pick by Calgary, I believe, in 2018. Yeah, uh, he's one of the guys, and then um, someone that we've talked about a lot on the show has been Joy Decord. Uh, so, like, how have these guys been kind of like instrumental in growing that brand zone in hockey? What they've shown is that um, one, there's high-end players that want to come to Arizona State and not go to your traditional Boston University, Boston College, Wisconsin, wherever it may be. Um, and, you know, they show that this team can compete. And it started with those guys. And last year with Joey Decord, if, if we don't have Joey Decord last year, we don't make it to the NCAA tournament. There was games where he stole the show. And, you know, he's starting to show that in, in, in the AHL. And he started in the, in the, in the coast this, uh, this season. But, um, you know, you're starting to see that, you know, players, top-end players can go and play here. Um, and, you know, Kumanzis, he's, he's a fourth-round pick. He's a high-end, high-end skill player, very fast, but he's still starting to figure it out. So I think, he'll, you know, when he came in, people thought max two years. You give him at the college level before he signs, but I think he's a four-year guy. Um, you know, he's still trying to piece together and kick. This thing in college that's different than the CHL is the CHL is a major junior league. You know, guys go in there at 16, 17. You see sometimes in the WHL, you know, this past season, you see in the OHL before guys getting exceptional status. Um, You know, the kid in WHL, he's 14 going on 15 or 15 going on 16. Um, You know, in in the NCAA, the average age is about 20, 21. And Kumanzis came in as a 17 turning 18 year old. He came in as a true freshman, which you don't see a lot. You know, you only see that with the high-end players, the Cole Caulfields, Alex Turcotts, uh, Keandre Miller was a true freshman. And it's those first-round picks that you see coming in and doing well. And I think he's still in that adjustment phase of, you know, trying to adjust to the more physical game. But uh, those guys are huge. And, you know, you're starting to see it with Joey Decord. Nobody ever thought he'd sign a, sign a deal. And, you know, he was a 199th overall pick, and he goes and signs a deal. Um, and now he's starting to show that it's more than just that deal he signed. And He's big. He's been doing great in the AHL with Belleville, and he's going to continue to do that. His biggest problem there, and you know, I know there's a lot of discussion is if it should be Ottawa, if it should be somewhere else. Is they've got a lot of goaltenders there. They've got a lot of goaltenders there, and they continue. You know, last year they drafted another one. Um, they continue to add goaltenders. Um, so it's 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 going to be a battle for him. But um, you know, there's no doubt that he'll he'll play in the NHL one day uh, again. You know, he obviously played that one game last year, but he'll be there again. And uh, Kumanzis, uh, you know, he's, he's working towards it. And we had another guy sign in the NHL this year. 
at the end of the season. So, um, you know, it's, it's, they're, they're huge for, you know, showing kids in Arizona and, you know, just kids playing hockey anywhere that it's a market that can uh, produce players. What makes, what makes Joey so special? Because I'm really hot. Like as a Leafs fan, I'm weirdly high on the Ottawa Senators. Uh, you know, they got all these players, all the young players who joined the team this year. And, you know, you look at their AHL team and they're absolutely dominating uh, the AHL. And yeah, you know, they've been drafting goalies the last couple of years. But if you think of the prospects that a lot of people talk about, you know, I don't necessarily think for me, I don't look at the goalies a whole lot. So what is what makes him so special and that guy that could be their goalie? For him, it's it's his mindset. And, you know, that's what's always allowed him to continue to excel. You know, he's drafted 199th overall. You know, someone drafted 199th overall, nobody ever thinks they're going to be much of anything. You know, no, especially as a goalie, you know, Yes, goalies are usually taken later in the draft, except for the high-end guys, you know, like Spencer Knight last year, I believe is 14th overall to Florida, um, you know, but for him, it's always been his mindset that he's always said that he's going to be the best and he's going to play there. And, you know, start off in this race, he ends up getting better. And then his third year, you know, he was one of the finalists for the Mike Richter Award for the best goalie in the NCAA. And arguably, he could have got it if the team goes past the first game of the playoffs. Um, you know, it's, it's his mindset and his, he's always trying to get better. He's always in the gym trying to get more athletic, or agile. And it's, you know, for, from him is the game will be quiet. And then, you know, you'll, you'll see just this flash of leather, him coming cross crease and making this huge save. And, you know, they played a game at the ACC this year. And it was like on TSN and everywhere on social media, this save that he made. And it's like, oh, my God, that's Joey DeCord. And, you know, I sent him a text quick, like, Jesus, you're an ACC making these saves. You know, it's his ability to just he, – he's a, he's, a, he's a good big game player, and he comes up at the big moments, which is what you need out of a good goalie. And the other thing for him is, you know, his, his puck handling is one of the best I've ever seen. You know, I watch a lot of hockey, be it OHL. I watch the NHL a lot. But his puck handling is, you know, one of the best I've ever seen. And, you know, the last year when I got there is the first game of the season at playing Alaska and um, first period it's late in the period he gets a puck um, they dump it in both teams go for a line change Johnny Walker which is the leading scorer on ASU the last three seasons um, he comes off the bench he you know goes straight comes off the bench he's going straight to the, uh, the opposing team's blue line and Joey Decord's behind our net and sends a perfect saucer pass tape to tape sends in Johnny Walker on a breakaway and scores um, so his puck handling is elite. Um, and you know, that's why I think, you know, his mindset, his ability to always want to get better and his puck handling are really going to help him uh, get back to NHL. And then he's going to have to show once he's there that he can, uh, be consistent, but I have no doubt that he'll, he'll at least get another shot to show that. Okay. And you think he's, you think, do you think he has the potential to be that Ottawa goaltender? I know, you know, uh, last year, I believe they drafted Mad Sogard. Um, yeah. they acquired Philip Gustafson from Pittsburgh a couple of years ago. Uh, they still have Marcus uh, Hogberg. You know, they have that, – that's four guys right there. What – do you think he has the potential to beat out at least two of them? I think he does. Um, do I think he has the potential to be a full-time starting NHL goalie? I don't know, and, you know, that's left to be seen. Um, you know, the goalie position is always the toughest. You never know who – 
who it could be. You know, you see guys coming out of the third, fourth, fifth round, guys signed from overseas, guys signed undrafted all the time and, and making it. Um, but, you know, he definitely has the will to want to do it, you know, inside him. And um, could he do it? Yeah, he could. Um, I think Hogberg's very good. And I think Sogard's another very good uh, goalie. And he's going to he's gonna come through that system um, but for, for Joey, it may mean having to leave Ottawa and go to a place where there's not a lot of goaltending and a team that's rebuilding. You know, for him, he just felt that Ottawa was always good to him. You know, they, they sent, um, you know, staff and development staff to watch a lot of his games over the three years he was at ASU. Um, they, you know, kept in contact with them and each year brought him to development camp. So for him, you know, he felt he owed it to them to go there and he liked how he was being treated. Um, but it remains to see if that'll be the best situation for him. You know, I think, um, I think the competition definitely helps because, you know, you want to keep getting better. You want to beat the guy that's beside you. Um, but um, yeah, it, it'll be tough to see, but he, he definitely could be Ottawa's guy. Okay. Uh, Adam. Uh, yeah. This will be the last one for me. You've been very generous with your time, Chase. We appreciate it. Uh, could yeah, you, no, no worries. Could you just give me one player in the NCAA right now that you think is really going to make a difference – sorry, is going to be a real big difference maker when they make it to the NHL. Just one guy and what makes him a special player. You know, you look around the doubles, there's, there's guys everywhere um, that, you know, be it being first-round picks. You know, you got an Ottawa guy out in North Dakota, Jacob Bernard Docker, Canadian. Um, you've got Spencer Knight with Boston College, a goalie who's going to be a great NHL goalie with Florida. Um, you know, obviously Cole Caulfield, he's going to be a goal scorer. You know, I, I think he's, he's got that potential to be, you know, a lot of people thought Alex to you know, they, they thought that his goal scoring was going to stop after, after juniors. And then he came in and he's just been doing great things in the NHL. And I think Cole Caulfield's got that ability to be that goal scorer. But for me, it's actually a guy that has, that's with Arizona state and not a lot of people who like if you don't follow college hockey, you're not going to know about him because he's, an, I think personally that he's the best undrafted player um, in the NCAA. And, you know, he probably had probably eight to 10 NHL offers this season, but he decided that he's going to come back for another year. He probably had 20 offers and, you know, the, the Leafs, you know, they, they were sending advisors to our practices to watch him. His name's Josh Maniscalco. Um, just finished his sophomore year. He's a 6'3", or 6'2", 205-pound defenseman, and um, he's, he's just an auto-breakout. He can take the puck from, you know, behind his net and go and make a play all the way at the other end, um, and it, it'll finish in the back of the net. You know, he's got that ability to play both sides of the puck very well, and, you know, I think he's going to be a huge difference maker for the team. You know, Brinson Pashnik signed with the San Jose Sharks. He was with us this year. Um, you know, there's, there's a big void left on, on the defensive end and, you know, Brinson and, and Josh were, 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 um, defensive partners and he's going to get to take the reins as that number one guy now and show that he can be that number one guy. And, um, I think there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to be after him. And, um, there were a lot of teams this year that, uh, that came to watch him and constantly asking about, um, and, you know, he likes to come back, but he's going to be a huge difference maker for the team in general. But then once he does sign. Um, you know, he's going to be a guy that he's not going to have to spend time in the coast. He's going to go straight to the HL and, um, he'll, he'll have a chance to definitely compete to be in the NHL and he'll, he'll, you know, he's, he's got the, the physical ability, but he's also got that, you know, he's got 
defensive hockey sense. He's got the offensive IQ to be able to take that puck and go in and um, the skating abilities, you know, he, he takes a little bit to get going, but once he's going, it's just, he, he's just he glides through the ice, it seems. Um, so he's going to be that big difference maker that uh, I think will be the next, uh, the next big um, uh, NHL NCAA signing. You know, you see one guy every year that's always, you know, a highly touted player, you know, Jimmy VC was a few years ago and uh, Will Butcher goes to uh, New Jersey and there's every year there's that one guy that's like, okay, it's him. And uh, next year, I think it's definitely going to be Josh Manison. I have one more question. Actually, just kind of combined to two, if that's okay. Um, so uh, you have Austin Lemieux on your uh, on the roster there and um, his father, Mario, has commented a lot about like he's helpful. His son kind of like continues to develop at the NCAA level um, so I guess like the two questions that are in one I guess is what does it mean to have Austin on the team and second like what does it kind of mean for like these guys that may not be drafted or they're the lower picks that kind of continue their development in the NCAA as that pathway yeah so um, Austin's uh, he's, he's a funny guy he um, you know if you if you ever look at him or if you saw a picture of him or saw him in person you, you would never think he's the personality that he is and he's honestly one of the funniest kids I've ever had the privilege to be around and you know he can he can make people laugh just like that um, he's just the lightest guy in the locker room and um, always a smile on his face always happy um, he's consistent at times but um, you know, obviously when you get to be the son of one of the best NHL players ever, you're going to have that elite hockey sense. And at times he thinks the game too fast for people who are, um, you know, for his line mates or the people he's playing with people on the team, you know, he thinks, you know, two steps ahead when they're still here, only one step ahead. And, you know, he's putting a puck somewhere and then you see the, you know, the opposing team will come and intercept it. And it's like, well, if he's thinking like some of the NHL guys can, like the Sidney Crosby's or like his dad did, um, you know, his right winger would have been there coming across ice and taking that puck on a breakaway by now. So th- that's his only problem. But, you know, for, for players to develop through the NCAA, you know, they, they, they get the chance to get an education if it doesn't work out for them. And two, they're getting the chance to play against, you know, for some of them, they're playing against physically mature people, you know, and in the CHL, that's one of the biggest problems. And, you know, things you with guys, you know they they didn't have a lot of that physical maturity they were playing against especially for a smaller guy Uh, if you're a smaller guy who doesn't play a big physical game the biggest adjustment beside the speed of the game will be you know now you've got Shea Weber on the other side of the blue line who's trying to take your head off as you come across the blue line you know you don't have that as much in the CHL and the NCAA you have a lot more of those physically mature guys because you can have guys up till the age of 24 25 years old uh, depending when they started, you know, you can have a freshman who's 21 years old. Um, so you're playing against much more physically mature guys, and it gives you that ability to not only play against physically mature guys, but also play against high-end draft picks. You know, if you play against Wisconsin this past year, they have three already first-round picks, plus a kid who's supposed to go in the first round this year. If you go Boston University, Boston College, you know, they're full. everyone on that roster, aside from a few players, is drafted somewhere. So you have the ability to play against guys who are, you know, already drafting are going to professionally uh, the ability to play at that high level and um, high pace of hockey. So the last question um, from me is what 
is what is it like? And I know he's only a, really a volunteer coach, but you know there was a story on it last year, and it kind of popped out to me in that Eddie Lack is working or volunteering at uh, Arizona State. What is that like? Eddie is one of the most fun guys I've ever been been around. He's just uh, he's always trying to pull a prank or always trying to joke with someone and. Um, the reason he's volunteer is just because of the, the NCAA guidelines. You can only have three full-time named and paid coaches. So, you know, we already have those three. So he comes on as a volunteer just cause you can't pay him and you can't technically name him as the golden coach, but you know, around is just trying to get that next laugh is, uh, he's one of the funniest and lightest guys I've ever been around. And, um, you know, beyond that, just the ability for him to tell NHL stories and stories with Roberto Luongo, um, you know, while he's in Vancouver coming up through the NHL, not only to the players and the goalies who are trying to make it to that next level, but just everyone around. Anytime you hear those NHL stories, those are stories you can only hear from someone who's been in the league for 10 years. Um, so it's, it's just fun to get to, to know those stories and, you know, learn more about what, what it's really like to play professionally or come up through the system or, um, any of the, the, the fun stories or memories he has from, from playing professionally. Um, so just to hear those stories, it just gives you new perspective. And obviously it's, it's nice to have those stories in your back pocket. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, now he's, he moves on to, to post career. Um, and we were lucky enough to have him around. And, you know, that's one of the things I've seen with, with Arizona State is a lot and it comes to be it, you know, Mary Lemieux, Austin Matthews comes around a lot. Um, Bissonette, Bissonette brings, you know, Christian Fisher, whoever else with the Coyotes within the games. Clayton Keller skates at our rink full-time in the summer. And Nicholas Yalmerson, you know, different guys were with the Coyotes. And then before, you know, the COVID-19 happened, you know, Austin Matthews this summer was going to be hosting a uh, NHL, uh, like a one-week kind of, um, you know, just, just camp to, to keep guys sharp. And he's going to be – you know, some of the best players from around the NHL coming through, you know, last summer Barzal came through and Matt Patrick Marlowe came through and right now Freddie Anderson's out there. So, um, you know, there's a lot of NHL players that, you know, either retire out in Arizona or want to go through Arizona because it's a nice spot when they're off. So uh, Eddie Lack, we're lucky enough that he decided to retire in Arizona and, um, you know, it's one of the most fun guys you can be around. Okay. No, no, maybe? no, no. Why did you, sorry, I didn't hear you cut out for me for a second. Are we good then? Is that right? Yeah, I don't have any more questions. Do you guys have anything else to ask? Um, We're just going to say thank you, Chase. This was amazing. Thank yeah. you for giving yeah, me yeah, yeah, thank you for coming on. Yeah, and he's on. My pleasure. You are our first guest, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's an honor. Thank you. Yeah. Any, any chance we're going to be able to drag you back on in the future? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Definitely let me know whenever, as long as I'm free. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. Yeah, no worries. Thanks, guys. Okay, thank you for listening to another episode of the 2 on 1 podcast. Uh, make sure, if you like it, make sure to click the like button. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, hit subscribe. If you are listening to wherever you're listening to, YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, uh, make sure to check out the social media links down below make sure to follow the uh, instagram page of the podcast follow all of us on social media for more updates on the show and to see our hilarious tweets um 
And that's about it. And check out Adam's YouTube page. Apparently, an Andre Markov video is coming. No one knows when, though. The right, Adam? Right, Adam? It's like the Habs trying to acquire star talent. It's, there's a lot of opportunities out there, but it's difficult to do. Oh, awesome. So we should be seeing uh, it. Isaac. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, okay, see you guys on Wednesday.